Thanks for listening to Oppenheimer's Let's Talk Future podcast series. Your host is Joan Corey, Oppenheimer's Chief Marketing Officer. She has a discussion with three expert guests in this episode called Consumer Trends, Holiday 2021, and Beyond. This episode was recorded on December 9, 2021. Please subscribe to our channel to instantly access previous episodes. Subscribing also means you won't miss out on new episodes with our thought leaders who bring you timely and relevant insights about the markets, investing, business, new technologies, and life in general. It's safe to say that this has been a year like no other. And to end the year, we wanted to have a final episode like no other. Today, I am joined by not one, but three distinguished colleagues who each cover different and dynamic sectors affecting holiday spending, including consumer, retail, and technology. We'll cover their views on consumer trends and sentiment, the potential effects of rising inflation, labor market dislocations, and supply chain challenges. We'll also cover just where we are in the shifting nature of retail including in-person versus digital shopping and purchases of goods versus services. First, we have Managing Director and Senior Analyst Brian Nagel, who covers consumer growth and e-commerce. Next is Managing Director and Senior Analyst Rupesh Parikh, who focuses on food, grocery, and consumer products. And finally, Martin Yang joins us, who is a Senior Analyst for Emerging Technology and Services. All of you have been guests on the Let's Talk Future podcast before, so welcome back. The holiday season is officially in full swing. What is the research telling us about consumers this year, and what will be the potential key trends to expect in 2022? Between Black Friday and Cyber Monday, 180 million Americans went shopping, according to the National Retail Federation. And Adobe estimates that consumers will spend $207 billion by December 26th. What does this mean? Have we returned to a place of normalcy following the past two years of anything but? Or are consumers altering their purchase behavior? Brian, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about the companies you cover and what you're seeing as the key trends that are emerging this year. Well, thanks, Joan. So I cover what we refer to as consumer growth and e-commerce. It's really a combination of some older retail, older, more traditional retailers in categories like home improvement, auto parts, but then also a number of new omni-channel type companies uh, You really combine online commerce with stores, some online-only players across various sectors. So I think I have a you know, pretty unique, rather comprehensive view of the consumer. But what I would say right now, what's interesting is there's still clearly benefits of the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, categories there, demand within categories such as home, sporting goods picked up significantly. And as, as we're looking at the data right now, a lot of that is continuing. But at the same time, we're starting to see indications that consumers, as the pandemic is beginning to subside, consumers are starting to get back to more pre-pandemic activities and spend it along those lines as well. So talk to us a little bit then about Black Friday because the sales were down on Black Friday and there's some factors contributing to that. Can you walk us through those? Sure, so Black Friday gets a lot of attention in the media and within the investment community. You know, this year, as you mentioned, the headline figures seemed rather weak. 
Now, for me, the, the message I've been sending to our clients is, look, I would not put a lot of credibility into these figures. I think one big factor is significant pull forward in holiday sales. So given all the attention in the media and elsewhere about supply chain disruption, supply disruptions, I think a lot of holiday shoppers started their shopping either earlier in November, maybe back in October, pulled those sales forward. So the net result of that was it made Black Friday look weaker from a historical standpoint. But I don't really think that's a true reflection of consumer spending. So that's a great explanation of Black Friday. So we are now going into the holiday season and beyond. So talk to us about what you're seeing for the holiday season. And are we getting price promotions? What is the consumer thinking? Lay that out for us. Sure. So look, one big factor we're seeing, which I think very much differentiates holiday 2021 from prior years, is a lack of price promotion. You know, we saw that on Black Friday, and the data I'm looking at now suggests that these promotions have very much stayed at bay. Now, a lot of that, I think, reflects brands and retailers just not having excess product. So, you know, what could, and we'll see how this plays out, there is a shopper that shops the holidays for promotions. You know, if this persists, maybe that shopper doesn't show up this year. You know, maybe, maybe spending within that, so to say, cohort of shoppers is weaker. We are very much seeing a lack of promotion. So... Shoppers started shopping earlier. They were concerned about being able to find the product and, in general, just supply shortages, etc. So we're going to shift for a minute and talk about beauty because that is one area that has not seen any slowdown. So Rupesh, can you talk to us about the beauty category and what you're seeing there? So if you look at beauty, if you go back to the beginning part of the pandemic, beauty spending basically went to a halt. You saw women pull back on makeup, skincare, really the entire category. As, as we look out through 2020, skincare and self-care started to pick up. As we enter 2021, women kept their skincare routines and makeup has really taken off. So if you look at some of the recent data, makeup is almost back to 2019 levels, which is really remarkable considering many people are still working from home. People are not going to the office. So I think prospects for beauty really look bright to us. And the main reason is you're just seeing stickiness of skincare and makeup. So we think the makeup recovery still has a long way to go. As the beauty category really stays strong, people are going to parties, they're going back to the office. What about the innovation that you're seeing in the product line categories, natural kind of products, etc.? What are you seeing in the innovation? Yeah, so there's a lot of innovation throughout the beauty category. So if you go back a few years ago, you had some hot trends like strobing out there. And right before the pandemic, the innovation is really not out there, especially within the color cosmetics category. And now some of these celebrity brands out there and leading prestige players investing out of the category, you have seen a lot more innovation come within the beauty category, not only cosmetics, but skincare and fragrances. So I think that helps to support what we think is going to fuel a strong recovery going forward. So you also cover grocery. And you've seen a multi-year boom, honestly, in the grocery channel, especially during obviously the pandemic. So how are you starting to see 2022 play out, especially with inflationary pressures? Yeah. So as you look at 2022, I think the big question mark is still what happened with COVID. So remarkably, in 2021, grocers have kept almost their entire sales boom that they saw last year. So I think first is COVID and second is food inflation. So if you look at the food inflation backdrop, we're seeing the highest level of food inflation since 2011. If you look on a two-year basis, the data came out yesterday, and you have two-year trends in a double-digit range. And I'll say thirdly, it's really about consumer habits. So many of us have learned how to cook staying at home. 
So I think some of those habits are going to be persistent into next year. So I think the outlook is still going to be strong for grocery. But COVID is probably, I think, the real unknown out there in terms of when we start to see more normalization. And you see people go back to work. Uh, people going out, I think, will have a potentially big impact on volume that grocers see. So Rupesh, looking forward to 2022, what happens to grocer sales as the stimulus, the, you know, kind of the mass, massive stimulus winds down? Yeah, so I'd say that's still a big unknown out there. So you have seen, you know, food stamps. The government has meaningfully increased food stamps over the years. You've seen the child care credit, which has also been a driver of grocery sales. So I think I think that's still a big worry out there is, you know, next year you have all this inflation out there. You see no resistance from consumers in these, these higher grocery prices. So as some of the stimulus goes away, um, there is a question mark, you know, can can consumers continue to buy those premium products? Or will they end up trading down to private labels? So I think that is a big risk for grocery. And I would say at this point, it's unknown. The federal government continues to increase their food stamps. So we still don't know what, what the states are going to do at this at this juncture. Awesome. Thank you so much. So let's move to gaming. We always think of the holiday seasons as the game that you have to purchase. So Martin, talk to us about gaming, the industry overall, and the headwinds that you're seeing in the sector. Sure. I think overall, the gaming industry is still booming. And uh, COVID has broadened the overall player base for video game uh, consumers. Um, but particularly for this holiday season, we do see some higher than normal pressure placed on the largest game publishers uh, because the game they are releasing into the holiday window are all underperforming due to a variety of quality reasons. And I think one major contributor to that problem is that during COVID, game development are having more difficulties, different developers in different geographic regions will have a tougher time collaborating with each other. So if the publishers are forced into releasing games at a very tight schedule, the quality suffers. More and more people are playing games on their phones. So talk to us about the devices, uh, besides the quality problem of the, the games themselves, where are they playing and how does that affect players like Apple? We are definitely seeing um, players uh, using phones uh, to play more varieties of games in addition to the more conventional gaming platforms like a PC or a console. And the reason for that is recently we do see a major improvements on the phone's graphic processing capabilities for instance, on iPhone 13, we can almost play a console quality game uh, with a very strong 3D graphics and a very complex and sophisticated gameplay. Um, so one of the bigger trends on gaming is that not only you can play high quality games on mobile phones, but also you can play the same game uh, with your friends, no matter what platforms they're in. And so this cross-platform play between mobile devices and console and PC is going to be uh, one of the drivers that continue to expand the gaming market. So let's go back to the actual games themselves. And there has been maybe the creativity of the larger games has not been there this year. There's not been that one standout or two standout games that are, are the must-haves. So how are you seeing content development for gaming emerge from other players? What does that look like? Overall, I think the major innovation in gaming in the past few years took place on the way they managed the in-game economy or when they approached the business model. So there are more changes on the business model of video games as opposed to the core gameplay of the content. 
And so going forward, I, we do see a more innovation potentially coming up from a whole new group of new game startups, the, those indie studios who have very experienced developed talents who stroke out on their own uh, from larger studios. So we do see more innovation on gameplay coming up in the next few years, uh, where um, there might be more disgruntled de developers who were working for the larger developers and who might, um, you know, who might prioritize uh, gameplay or experience over business model innovation. So, so far, we know that shoppers are continuing to shop and they're shopping early. We know that they're looking good when they go out to shop. They're eating at home and still learning how to cook, and they are trying new types of games. That's what we've learned so far. So I have some general questions for all of you. The first one really relates to how have companies had to reposition and change, and let's say even benefit from having to change during the pandemic, and how are they thinking about that sustainable growth in their digital delivery? So, Brian, why don't we start with you on that? Yeah, it's a great question. And look, I, you know, retailers and brands have been shifting with the help of e-commerce and other digital technologies have been shifting dramatically. You know, over the last several years, I think all those efforts really accelerated, so to say, through the, the COVID crisis. You know, I've seen a number of my traditional retailers uh, using their stores as more distribution points, you know, actually bringing products to consumers outside the store. We're seeing, you know, a greater uptick. You know, the numbers are still kind of fluid at this point, but a greater uptick of e-commerce, you know, both people shopping directly online as well as those, uh, you know, purchasing online and subsequently pick up at stores. So, I think, you know, I think my way to answer that question is that through the pandemic, we've seen this acceleration in both the ways that these retailers and brands embrace digital technologies and the way consumers, from their standpoint, as well. And Rupesh, how do you see that in your coverage? Look at, you know, the gro grocery side, you know, e-commerce sales are probably a low single digit percent of my coverage years universe within grocery. And during the pandemic, the penetration shot up to more than 10%. So retailers, in some cases overnight, stood up, you know, buy online, pick up in store, you know, delivery, you know, par partnership with Instacart. So consumers now have many ways to buy groceries, which really was not the case prior to the pandemic. So, you know, players like Trader Joe's or all these, uh, you never had that opportunity to do a buy online, pick up in store. So I think, I think going forward, you know, I think what we've learned is you've seen very significant stickiness with the higher levels of e-commerce penetration. So some of the estimates out there suggest grocery e-commerce penetration could, could be more than 25% of sales. In, in the coming years. That's remarkable. Martin, how are you seeing that in the gaming sector? In gaming sectors, I think now that more uh, players are in the ecosystem and they have more time to play games, it is critical for the publishers to provide more ways to play and remove the friction on the, uh, the way they approach uh, or access the gaming content. So one way of that is providing more a variety of business models such as free-to-play games where you don't have to spend 60 or 70 dollars to purchase a game to enjoy play with your friends another way will be uh, encouraging more cross-platform technologies uh, so that can you play with your friends even when you're on the go on the mobile devices so this question is more of a look into your crystal ball with the new variant we are facing as we are doing this recording brian look and tell me what you see in terms of that having an impact for the holiday season but also beyond the holiday season how do you sort of sort out that potential effect 
Well, because well, I think about it, I mean, clearly the, the COVID crisis remains fluid. Now, I mean, I hope and I think the data would suggest that it is abating, but the situation is still fluid. So with respect to this new variant, again, we're watching someone on a daily, frankly, not hourly basis. At this point, we're not, I, I would say there's really been, from what I can tell, no impact, no measurable impact upon consumer spending as a result of this latest variant. I think it's all going to come down to what this new variant is. I mean, is it more of the same or is it something new? If it's something new, we, we could have a shift back to you know earlier days in the pandemic. If it's more of the same, we'll probably continue along the same trajectory, which is, in my view, a path out of the pandemic. And to follow up on that, Brian, because there had been a little bit of a shift from goods to services. And do you see that that might shift a little bit, just, you know, the interplay as we learn more? I do believe that as the pandemic abates and abates completely, that you will see a largely a normalization in, in spending. You know, people will once again be spending on, on travel, on entertainment, on dining out. We're starting to see some of that now. I just don't think we've seen the full normalization. But again, I would suspect that when this is all said and done, there, there's a, a rather significant normalization in, in consumer spending. So, uh, Rupesh, can you add to that as well for your coverage area? Yeah, so adding on to Brian's comments, yeah, I would agree with that. You know, my companies are not really seeing any impact related to this new variant. The one area where there has been it is travel. But outside that, you know, you look at beauty, you know, that those trends continue to be very strong. On the grocery side, you know, I, I think they have benefited a bit from people pulling back from restaurants. But, you know, I would say not, nothing material. I think the bigger impact has been inflation. And, you know, I'd say the variant, you know, what we're also watching is what happens with the labor market. So to, to the extent that the variant reduces uh, the number of employees going to uh, these production facilities, and that can have an impact on supply. But so far, that has not materialized. So, so, you know, I am most focused on the severity of this new variant. And so far, everything looks good. Good. And so, Martin, talk to us about how this affects gaming. Everybody will continue to play games. They just have to find the new ones. Uh, sure. Yeah, I think uh, on the one hand, it definitely benefits uh, the overall market. Where again, and if we enforce another stay-at-home uh, mandates, there will be more time to play games for friends. But for developers, I really want to piggyback on Rupesh's point on labor, and uh, we are seeing similar. Uh, severe shortages of game de developers on the market where the increasing demand for content is not met with an appropriate increase of developer uh, resources. And also, when it comes to the publisher's business, they really need to recognize that this remote work is here to stay as a business model or as the way they organize uh, the different studios. So they really need to rethink about appropriate timeline uh, for their upcoming games and avoid uh, disappointing the player base with aggressive timeline without accounting fully for the loss of productivity due to remote work and shutdowns. It's always about the, the content and the storytelling and bringing that forward in into games. Let's follow up on the question of inflation and labor markets and how that is affecting each of your sectors. Brian, have we started to see those price increases in your sector and and what do you see going into the next year? We're definitely seeing, you know, across my coverage universe, we're, we're definitely seeing price increases. I would say generally speaking, you know, particularly with my larger companies, my more more scale type players, they are largely capitalizing upon price increases or inflation. You know, in other words, what I'm saying there is they are effectively, efficiently passing along costs, these higher costs to consumers. Uh, what I haven't seen yet, and this is probably you know, I keep an eye on this because I think that if we did see demand destruction, 
at this point, within my coverage universe, I'm not seeing signs of demand destruction on the heel of price inflation. Rupesh? In my coverage, as I look at the grocer side, e-commerce sales are probably a low single-digit percent of grocer sales pre-pandemic. The penetration shot up to more than 10% last year, which is really fascinating growth. So retail, in some cases, overnight stood up, buy online, pick up in store, deliveries, and you know, partner with, with other players such as Instacart. So consumers now have many more ways to buy groceries, which is really not the case prior to the pandemic. So players like Aldi, where you never had the opportunity to deliver or buy online and pick up in store, is now available. So I think going forward, I think what we learned is you've seen significant stickiness with higher levels of e-commerce penetration. So some of the estimates out there suggest grocery e-commerce penetration could grow to more than 15% in, in the coming years. So we remain very bullish on what omni-channel could mean for grocery going forward. And Martin, it seems like game players are able to pass along costs. Games continue to be expensive. So tell us a little bit about um, what you see there. Sure. I think for publishers, they do face a higher pressure to increase compensation for the game developers. But so far, that hasn't materially impacted their business because as they transition the business models, there's more upside to generate more revenues out of the gamers. And for gamers or the end consumers, I think games, video games remains one of the cheapest form of content or cheapest form of leisure when you think about dollar cost per hour of gameplay. And that's much cheaper than TV or live concerts or, or any other uh, leisure activities that are uh, in the physical world. So when you think about the, the comparatively, video game remains uh, the most beneficiary are the, the most uh, accessible form of entertainment. Good. Well, we are going to move to what we're calling a speed round, which is just a, a question with really short answers. So I wanted to put out a few. The first one is, if each of you were buying only one gift this year, what would it be and why? Brian. Well, I think it's going to be athletic footwear and apparel. Going along the themes of our what trends we're seeing is casualization. We're all dressing more casual. You know, names like Nike and Lululemon are doing a great job of producing some really great products. That's what I'd be purchasing. Got it. Repesh. So, yeah, my coverage, I would say great gifts really right now in that really hot category Ulta is fragrances. And Ariana Grande has a very hot product within the stores. So that would be my recommendation. That's what you buy for me. Awesome. And, Martin, what would you buy? I will buy a PlayStation 5 if you can get it at a retail price. Uh, there are a lot more exciting new games coming from Sony next year, so PlayStation 5 it is. Okay, so we're going to reverse the order here. What is the biggest trend that excites you in 2022, Martin? Now, I do see more games become more blended with other uh, media format such as TV and music. So we'll see more in, uh, more innovative, active entertainment uh, coming up in 2022. Yeah, so my coverage, plant-based meats are really taking off between Beyond Meat and Impossible Foods. And the burger category has been what's really hot. So next year, I think chicken is really going to be the hotter category. So Beyond Meat just saw chicken tenders. Impossible Foods came out with some nuggets products. So we're very focused on the chicken category and see whether it takes off similar to burgers. Continuing the deepening of that product. Okay, so Brian, what is the biggest trend that excites you for 2022? Well, look, I, th I think it's going to be, you know, people get back out there, you know, and get, like we we're talking before, get back to pre-pandemic activity. So, you know, purchases around that. I think, you know, I don't cover a lot of clothing, but I think, you know, there's certain categories in clothing that will benefit, similar to what Rupesh is talking about in his group. Uh, it was people are once again dressing and preparing to go back out and see people. Perfect. All right. Last speed round question. What 
was the biggest takeaway or surprise that you all witnessed in 2021? So Martin, let me start with you. I think we are seeing the beginning of regime changes on game across mobile and the PC and console platforms. The incumbents are seeing pressure and uh, consumer backlash from all over the, the world. And uh, we do see emerging new platforms potentially gaining share and establish themselves as the new incumbents. Pash? You know, it was remarkable last year. Grocery sales really boomed, really, in every channel out there. And amazingly, leading grocers have kept almost all their sales had last year and have been able to grow off that base. So it's been absolutely remarkable that you've seen these companies grow over last year. And Brian? What surprised me the most is just the utter resiliency of consumer spending. You know, through, through the pandemic, the economy got historically weak. Consumers, despite the climate unemployment, consumers continue to spend aggressively. Now, clearly with the help of stimulus, no doubt, but consumer spending proved ex extraordinarily strong. So gentlemen, thank you for participating in this episode of Let's Talk Future. Thank you. Thank you. Don't miss the next episode of Let's Talk Future as we explore a variety of topics important to every kind of investor by bringing our firm's financial thought leaders directly to you. Hit the subscribe button today.